I'm, I'm Joe, for those of you who don't know me. I am, uh, I am from Nacogdoches, which is why I have this haircut. And <laughs> it explains everything. I'm a, I'm a true knack rat. Like, this is like a knack rat's haircut. So there are folks who say they're knack rats. They're, they don't have this haircut. They may be lying to you. At least they don't have the full pride that I do. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so before we get started tonight, uh, I know a lot of you guys don't know me, so I want to talk just uh, for a little about myself. Like every every speaker should know who their audience is, and I think I know who my audience is, but I think that's an inverse truth, and uh, audiences should know who their speaker is as well. So, again, I'm I'm from here, uh, and if I'm from Nacogdoches, that means that I'm grew up in church. I did. I grew up in church, which probably many of you folks can identify with. Uh, maybe not everybody, but so I, I grew up in the church. I grew up uh, being a Christian, knowing the word, knowing scripture. Uh, you know, I believed in Jesus, believed in God. And like many knack rats uh, that you're going to meet if you're not from here, uh, they do drugs. Uh, and I'm one of those. So I'm a, I'm a I used to use quite a few drugs in high school. I used to be a drug dealer in high school as well. So I don't carry quite the sterling reputation. Uh, yeah, not at all. So uh, don't worry, I don't use it anymore, not even recreationally. Uh, it's, been about, it's been about six years now, actually, since, since I've used. Uh, and the Lord has really delivered. Yeah, come on now. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. So uh, that's a little about me. Uh, so actually, I went to rehab two weeks before I graduated high school uh, and came back and walked the stage. Uh, but I, I didn't become a Christian at that point, or I wasn't, you know, I believed in God, but I, I wasn't walking with Jesus at all. My life was not his at all. Uh, and it wasn't until, like, my sophomore year of college. And it's a, it's a long story, but my sophomore year of college where everything got crushed, everything got wrecked in my life. Uh, and I was just done, and I gave up. And so, actually, I embraced a kind of, it's not atheism, but uh, it's very difficult for me to describe, other than I believed in God, believed in Jesus, but didn't like him, and like, cl- like rejected him openly. Uh, but I still came to Crosspoint. So I, Kyle Easley was the college pastor, and I sat back there on the back row where my brothers are. There's two, like, small mountains who are men. Those are my little brothers. And I sat back there where they're sitting, and I would argue with Kyle in my head. I'd be like, oh, there's no way that's right. No, that's, no, no. That can't be. Uh, no way Jesus did that. And no way God, no, God's a jerk. No way. And so I argued for a long time. And then I'd love to share the story with you sometime. But I just got crushed. Uh, and man, I just surrendered, gave up. And everything has changed. Uh, the last 15 months, I've been in San Francisco. I've been in the Tenderloin working with a group called City Impact. Uh, which is, I don't want to get too far into it, but the Tenderloin is a really crazy neighborhood. Uh, it's like 40,000 people in one square mile, uh, and it is riddled with poverty. It is incredibly poor. It's got the highest crime rate of San Francisco. Uh, people are openly smoking crack, uh, just like, you know, I'd step out front of the building that I lived at, at the church I lived at, and people would be smoking crack. You know, I'd go down around the corner to preach at the rescue mission, and people are smoking crack. Uh, this is the kind of neighborhood it is. So the last 15 months, I've been preaching to people who, I've been preaching to crackheads, and that's not a joke, and now I'm here. So uh, this evening is going to be a little different for me. It's a different audience for me. You're not homeless. Uh, you don't smoke crack. Uh, and you probably know your Bible a little bit 
as well. You've probably heard of Jesus. I've met people in San Francisco who are like, yeah, who is that guy? Like, and don't know. Uh, and here it's very different in the Bible Belt. So, uh, anyway, so this is a different, this is a different venue for me. Uh, so bear with me. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a little different. I'm probably going to be, uh, I've been told that I'm an intense person, uh, a little aggressive, and I'm probably going to be that way later this evening. There's a lot of scripture to cover that's very heavy that I want to go through and explain some of it the, the best I can, and then the rest of it is going to be me like, uh, yeah, you probably, probably, I mean, I may not get crazy, but it's probably going to be me being a little heavy with you, a little heavy-handed, uh, and I think that needs to happen. So it's going to be, it's also, after I, also I preach uh, I'm ADHD, and I'm unmedicated, and so, like, my thoughts just kind of, they just kind of go sometimes. It's tough, and just follow with me. Also, many of the things I say are not going to be for fun. They're not very, uh, they're not, I don't know, it's probably not normal. I preach in, like, two gears, where one, where I am, I am just trying to explain some of the scripture, and the other one where I'm preaching at you. And so you'll see, it'll be a little choppy, it'll be a couple different gears, it's going to be weird, it's going to be like a, a first date, I'm going to say something you don't like, and then I won't know how to end it, it's just, <laughs> I, that, that for real, like I'm going to say things you don't like, and then I'm not going to know how to end this pro- pro- properly, so you just don't know what to do, so, uh, did I go for a handshake or a hug or what? Uh, <laughs> see, that's the ADHD thoughts coming out about first dates. Anyways, uh, I have notes. I'm going to go look and make sure I said everything about myself that I wanted to say. If I, if I pause, that, if I pause, I'm probably, just, I'm probably just thinking. If I pause and then my eyeballs open up like this, that's when it's like, oh, no. But if I'm just paused, I'm just thinking things through before I, before I say them to you. Uh, yeah, the one thing I want to say. Uh, so my target audience tonight, or part of it, is preaching to myself, and not me currently, but me like eight years ago, back row, really frustrated with God, uh, living in, in sin, telling people I was a believer, uh, so it, it, that's going to be me, so if I, if I start yelling or get upset, be like, oh, he's just talking to himself, and that's, that's me in the back row, uh, so have you ever thought about that, like if you had a conversation with yourself, like, 10 years in the past, like if I entered like a decade into the past and then like talked to myself at Java Jacks and told like this is going to happen and this is going to happen, then you're going to live in San Francisco and then you're actually going to speak at Crosspoint I'd be like, you're crazy, get out of here dude like I got to stop drinking this coffee it would, uh, it would <laughs> anyways, I don't want to get into that but that's how I'm going to speak some so, uh, yeah let's, uh, I'm going to actually, can we put up uh, I'm going to, yeah can we put up John twenty thirty one? So tonight, just so you know where we're going, uh, yeah, John twenty thirty one is that's just this is John's purpose statement. Chris, can you put on? Uh, uh, yeah, oh sweet. Uh, no, not up there. I'll wait. How's it going? Yeah, I already asked that. It's like the first date. Oh no. Uh, yeah, go to John twenty thirty one real quick. I want to I say that before we get into the passage. And the passage we're in tonight is chapter 12. 
Boom. All right. This is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So this is, this is John, the guy who wrote this letter. This is his purpose statement for writing this at all. And you're going to hear this again and again. If it's me, if it's Terrell, if it's another speaker, uh, I mean, they'll probably be pointing to this. This is his purpose statement. Some people write in the beginning, like, this is why I wrote this. Like, this is, this is what John wants more than anything. So when we're studying any passage in John, this is what John wants more than anything, is for you to believe and have life in his name. Uh, and so we're, go ahead and flip to John 12. We're in John 12. That's where our main passage is. And we're gonna, probably going to jump around a bit in Scripture. But John 12, 27 through 36 is where we're at tonight. While you're turning there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray real quick. <coughs> Lord, I just, Lord, I pray that you would be, you'd be with us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would... Lord, you would glorify your name. Lord, that, uh, yeah, that you would work in us. Lord, that you or your spirit would convict us, Lord, of what's happening in our lives, what needs to change, and what you're wanting to do, Lord. Would you, uh, I guess, Lord, would you speak through me? Don't let me say something stupid. Don't let me say something foolish. I pray that nobody would just get you know, frustrated with my speaking style, Lord, but that people would just see your word and that you would open and they would overcome uh, a foolish speaker, Lord. Uh, and that you would, you, would, you, would, you would speak to them no matter what, Lord. You would start pulling on people's hearts. Lord, I want people to change, Lord. And I, Lord, would you work in them? Lord, you are good. Would you be faithful to us? And would you, yeah, Lord, would you teach us? In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. It's getting there. That's not bad. That's right. Right on. So, so life in his name. Life in his name. Let's, uh, yeah, I'm going to read this. All right. Uh, starting in 27. Starting in 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice came for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So uh, I want to go, I want to try and go thought by thought verse by verse through some of this uh, and just there's because there's there's a ton that's in here so John in chapter 12 completely changes it was focusing in the last uh, few the whole the second half has all been focusing on Jesus' ministry on his works and everything's about to change uh, his what his speaking style is is going to change and what he's teaching on is going to be uh, far heavier 
and it's, uh, it's actually all within about a week. Uh, like the next, like from here, chapter 12, to like the rest of the book is, is like six days, is all of it. And it's all his teaching. Uh, and so he's, the last week, uh, to pick up where Terrell left off, some, some Greeks came and approached him uh, and wanted to talk to him. And Philip, Andrew, go and get him and then say, you going to speak to these Greeks? You going to see these guys? They came all the way to here to see you. And he's like, unless a colonel dies and you garden it or something like that. And then just doesn't even answer their question uh, and says that a, a colonel's supposed to die. And it, it's, it's kind of weird. And it's like, uh, okay, so you're not going to speak to the Greeks? Uh, and then he says this. And then he, he, he expounds. So he gives like kind of a, a story. And then he expounds on it and teaches on it. And, yeah, so this is, this is where everything changes. Uh, this is where he is far more blunt with everybody and incredibly open. And everybody realizes you're not who I thought you were. Uh, so, so verse 27 and 28 is what I want to pair together first. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So the first thing you need to know is that Jesus is upset. Jesus is very upset. He does not want to die. He is, he is very human. He is very much human. And he does not want to die. He does not. He has emotions just like you and I do. Like, I don't want to come up here and speak in front of everybody, but, like, multiply that times a billion, I don't want to die either. And Jesus does not want to die. Not only do I not want to die, I don't want to be crucified either. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that and explains that to them. And so something we can draw from that and learn from that is that this is a plan. This has always been a plan. This is not an accident. Jesus wasn't like, oh, no, they actually murdered him. Oh, no, like, I can't believe they did that. Like, no, that is the plan. His plan is to be your sacrifice. It's not, he's not just, like, speaking and then, like, oh, oh, no, they, they caught me. Like, it's, it is, it, it is his intention. And really, I would say, it's, God, it's God's intention. And he's here talking to God. And he's asking, a, the question he asks is rhetorical. You know, what do I say? Save me from this hour? No. I came here for this. Like, this is the point. This is the reason he had a, a virgin birth. The reason that he's there is so that he will die. This is his pivotal moment. And he knows it. And he's being, he's being tempted right at this moment. He just does not want to do it. And then he submits himself to God. And says, glorify your name. And so, he doesn't say, you know, well, I guess it's the right thing to do. He doesn't say, well, I guess that seems nice. Or it's probably what God would like. He says, glorify your name. More than anything, Jesus' purpose is to glorify God. More than anything. More than anything. He is trying to glorify God by his actions, and he is completely submitting himself underneath everything, all the nervousness, all the way, all the, the idea of being hammered to wood, like, he is submitting himself underneath that. He is putting himself under that and letting it go to glorify God. That is what he wants more than anything. 
So this is the, this is the third time where God has audibly said, said something like to Jesus and affirms his ministry. And he says, what does he say here? I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And so he affirms Jesus in front of everybody, in front of everybody. And which is weird, like what, what would that sound like? like and that's, and that, that's, so I want to go into the next section. The next section, uh, let me read it real quick. Uh, the crowd that stood there, this is verse 29, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. So uh, this is going to be one of the submitting yourself and then some of this misunderstanding of information or hearing what we want to hear is what probably we'll be talking about the most. So God speaks and immediately, and everybody hears this, and immediately people in the crowd are like, mm, that was thunder. And they deny it. They hear God's voice, and then they deny it immediately. And then others hear it, acknowledge that they actually heard a voice, and then they misconstrue the truth and say, well, that was an angel. And the time it was very common to believe that you know, that an angel, if God was going to speak to you, that it would be through an angel. So some will still believe that God spoke to him. But anyways, so people misconstrue the truth and are like, no, that was an angel. And others completely deny it. are like, no, nah, that, was, that was thunder. There's no way. And so it's immediately denied. Immediately. And it's just like me on the back row where I hear it and I'm like, nope. Or I, I take part of the truth and then I twist it to make it my own. Uh, to make me make it hear what I want to hear, like that was an angel, that wasn't God, that was, that was something else. And so the crowd immediately is doubtful, is immediately like, no, that's, no, no way. And then he says, then Jesus, in, re- in reply to their, their doubt, and there are some who believe, John clearly believes, he, he says, this voice didn't come from me, it came for you. And so, so whenever Jesus gets resurrected, uh, in like a week, uh, there are people who were there are going to remember this voice and be like, well, maybe that wasn't thunder, actually. It turns out like he's here, and maybe that was the very voice of God saying that he's going to glorify his name. And that, that's what it was. And so I'm sure John had some doubt, too, whenever he heard this. And then later, when Jesus is resurrected, he's like, it's all coming back. It's like, man, that, that really was the voice of God. And it came for John's sake and the others' sake who would follow him. Because then it's like, well, how are you going to not follow somebody who's been audibly affirmed by God? There were no speakers then. There were no sound systems. It was just like, there's no way. There's no, even then we would still discredit it with that, wouldn't we? But, yeah. So he's immediately, he's immediately denied. Immediately denied. Uh, <coughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with uh, this next verse for a bit. 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So that just rolls off the tongue way too quick. Hold on. Uh, one more time. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Uh, I'm going to read it again, actually. Now is the, ru- the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So Jesus is saying at this moment, at this moment, right, right about now, in just a bit, in about a week, the ruler of this world will be cast out, will be done. 
And the ruler of the world that he's talking about is Satan. He's saying Satan is about to be cast out. So it is, yeah, I'm going to talk for about this for a minute. I'm going to get a little preachy here just on this verse. So it is, it is, yeah, whenever, whenever Jesus is crucified and says it is finished, he means it. He means it when he says it's finished. When Jesus dies, it's done. And he's already died and resurrected. It's done. When once sin is paid and atoned for, it's done. It is done. Satan is useless. He has no power. He has zero power. Zero. You and I give him power by believing lies that we hear from him, that we can't be saved, that I can't get over this sin, that there's no way I can change. And so we give him some power. We listen to lies. They're lies. They are lies. They are lies. If you, Jesus says he's been cast out. He's been cast out. It's done. He is done. He has no power over you. None. And any that you think he has, he doesn't. Trust me. He has none over you. He has nothing on you. There's a lot of, there's, there's uh, what is it, like a, kind of an analogy I hear about a courtroom, about how, about being judged, and, and like, like Satan is the accuser, and, you know, God's the judge, and Jesus is like our defendant. And if I'm going to stick with that slightly cheesy analogy, slightly cheesy, it's like Satan has zero evidence on you. Like he comes and he's like, he's, Look at this, look at this, and it's nothing. He's got nothing in his hand. He has no evidence against you at all. Except, uh, yeah, he has nothing. And then after the court case, Satan gets drugged out, and then he gets thrown into hell. And not you. Because it's done. Satan's been cast out. The atonement's already happened. It happened like 2,000 years ago. It's done. It's already, it's finished. This is really cool. It's done. So anything you hear... And some of you are going to hear it tonight in your ears. You will hear it tonight in this room that you can't be saved. That there's no way you can change. It is a lie. He has no power. It's done. He's been cast out. He's done. I'm going to go, let's go to the next verse. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try not to go as long as Terrell. That's my only goal. That's my <laughs> only goal that I have. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, <clears throat> all right, 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowds answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So he says, he says that he'll be lifted up. So this is... Uh, the crowd clearly gets when he says lifted up that he'll be crucified. And so when I read this at first, I'm like, lifted up? How do they get that he'll be crucified? Lifted up? And so it's a bit, uh, it seems that it's a bit like slang for dying, a bit like, yeah, like a slang term for being crucified. Kind of like, you know, if I said, you know, like on a Western TV, like, oh, so-and-so's an outlaw, he's going to get caught, he's going to get hung. And then like 2,000 years from now, somebody hears like about somebody being hung for a crime, and it's like, what? Hung? Like a like a painting? Like he's going to be hung? Like what? And so it's a bit like slang, and that's what this is right here as well. It's slang. So as soon as he says he's going to be lifted up, 
that means he's going to be crucified. So he would be on the ground, in the, on the cross, and they would nail him, his hands and feet, and then they're going to lift him up and set him into a pole so he can sit there all day. So he gets lifted up and set in to be tortured all day long, all day long. Uh, and so that's what that means. So they get it, and they're like, what? You're going to be crucified? You're going you're gonna to die? And they, they get it. They get that. They want him to be the Messiah. They think he's the Messiah. Then he says he's going to be crucified, and they go, well, time out. Wait, who, who is the Son of Man? We thought you were the Son of Man. And so tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about how you and I take part of the truth. We take some of the Bible. We take the things we like and we make them our own. The Jews aren't far off here. They've got reason to believe. Like, why would the Son of Man die? They've got good reason. I'm going to take you to a spot in a second. Uh, they've got good reason. They've got good reason to believe uh, that he'll reign forever. But it's not the whole truth. It's the very best part. It's the very best part. Actually, we're going to go there now. We're going to go to our, you don't have to go there. We can probably put it up on the screen. We're going to go to Daniel. Uh, uh, let's see here, Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Daniel 7. So uh, Daniel is the prophet who, who calls Jesus the Son of Man the most, or uses the term Son of Man more than anybody. Uh, it's one of really the only main spots that it's in the Old Testament. Uh, and I don't want to get too far into what exactly the term Son of Man means, but it's, it's Jesus referring to himself, and here it's him. It's, it's referring to Jesus. This, this, scrap, this scripture we're about to read from Daniel is about Jesus. So, uh, okay, boom. All right. Uh, behold, or here, I'll start in 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and that's, that's God, uh, and was presented before him. So Jesus is presented before God. The Messiah is presented before God. For, uh, verse 14, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and this kingdom that shall not, this kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So we look at that and it's like, okay, son of man's going to come, Messiah's going to come and his, his kingdom will be forever. And so if I look at this right here and this is all I have, it seems that when the Messiah comes, he's going to draw all people to himself, which Jesus just said. We read in, in John. John quotes him there. He's drawing all people to himself here. He draws all nations come under him. And it seems like, wait, yeah, son of man, going to live forever. One kingdom, it's going to be awesome. This is heaven. This is awesome. And then Jesus gets there, and they're like, yeah, it's the Messiah. And then he says, I'm going to be lifted up. And they're like, Whoa. wait, what? The son of man. Who's the son of man? Who's the son of man? We thought, there, so everybody at this time is looking for a son of man, a Messiah who is from Daniel. And all the signs of the time point to this Daniel Messiah. And so everybody is expecting Jesus to come and change everything, to come and overthrow Rome, uh, to bring everybody together to be like this one world that he rules over. And uh, that will happen, but they didn't get all of the scriptures. They didn't take everything into account. 
And let's go to Isaiah real quick, Isaiah 52. Uh, so we're going to look at another verse real quick, Isaiah 52. Uh, this, is, this is Jesus, by the way, as well, another prophecy about Jesus. Uh, and I just want to read a couple verses real quick, starting in verse 13. Yeah, they, they, nice. Very good, Chris. Uh, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. The, hold on. So high and lifted up. This is, this is like six or 700 years before Jesus is born. And being lifted up is not a slang term for crucifixion. In fact, like crucifixion would have probably been barely introduced to the Jews at this point. Uh, and so it's lifted up and exalted. This is referring directly to Jesus being glorified. The Messiah is going to be glorified and lifted up. In the next verse, as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. And so he's exalted. Next verse, he is marred and you can't even tell who he is. These are one after another. And it seems, I mean, we, we're, gonna go th- we're probably going to go through Isaiah 52 in a bit later on. But, like, it's clear that this Messiah is going to suffer, that this servant here is going to suffer. He's going to be marred, marred. And so, like, wait, so why, why, everybody's looking at Daniel's passage. Why aren't they looking at this one? Why aren't they looking at this one? I'm going to go back to that, actually. I'm going to come back to that in a bit. I'm going to come back to that and apply it directly to us in a bit. So, last, uh, last few verses back in John, John 12. Uh, so they ask, who is the Son of Man? Who is he? They're trying to get clarity from Jesus. Jesus says, doesn't directly answer their question like they want. Uh, verse, verse 35, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, then you may become sons of the light. So, Jesus answers their question uh, a little differently. He doesn't say, oh, well, it's me. I'm the son of man. Or it's, it's another who's coming. It's another, the son of man. He calls himself the light. Walk with me while you have me, while I'm here. He's speaking directly to them uh, to walk with him. And they've just heard the voice of God come down, and he's saying, walk with me. I am the light, which is a constant theme that John uses, uh, calling Jesus light, walking in the light. And then they don't believe. Actually, we're going to, let me just for a second read the next verse. This is next week. This is next week's verse. Uh, continuing 36. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him. So nobody, nobody believes. He says, walk in the light. I'm the light. It's me. And they turn and walk away. And then he hides himself and he just prepares for the craziest week of his life. They don't believe. They don't have life in his name. 
they see what they want, they don't see what is truth. They don't see the whole picture. Who he is, is the Messiah, and the Messiah will die and resurrect. And they see part of the scriptures, Daniel, that is, that's the truth, Daniel, but they don't get the whole truth, and that's that he would die. And so they want the very best. They want the best. They want, man, this is an amazing promise. Son of man is going to come, and that's what they want. So they, they have twisted and changed scripture or taken part of it, the very best of it, and that is, that is their life, and they completely miss everything. And that was me. That was me. Back rows right here where my brothers are, where I heard part of the truth and didn't walk in the light. Or I would say I heard the whole truth, but heard to myself part of it. And I think that that's happening here also. It's still happening. It wasn't just me. It's happening in this room. You are taking the very best things from Jesus. You are taking grace and mercy, which are gorgeous and beautiful. And then we ignore that we're supposed to be a servant. Actually, just a second. Let me take you to the verse before, right before this section. Uh, verse 25, same chapter, right before our section. Verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so we like grace and mercy, but we don't like the idea of having to serve Jesus. We don't. Not completely. Little bits and pieces. And that's why I think, for me, there was so much pain. Because I believed in Jesus. I believed in Jesus. Don't get that wrong. I believed in him. I believed that he was the atonement for my sin. I believed in God. I sold drugs. It didn't matter. In fact, I never met a drug dealer who didn't believe in God. Every gangster I've ever met believes in God, and it changes nothing for them. Nothing. And then they excuse themselves and say, well, I'm just trying to stack my paper. I'm just trying to make money. I'm just doing this for a while. I'm trying to feed my babies. And they, they do whatever they want. Do whatever they want. It's the same in the tenderloin, too, where people believe in Jesus and they smoke crack. But it's the same thing here, too. You believe in Jesus. You believe in his grace and mercy. And that's it. And you take that and you, you sit down with it and you do whatever you want. It's the same thing. You know, the only... Well, when I'm at City Impact, I work with a lot of mission teams, and I always tell them the only difference between you, this room, and those people who, the people who, who are coming, a lot of college students like yourself, coming to serve, I say the only difference between you and the Tenderloin, this neighborhood, is that they are unable to hide their sin, and you are real good at it. You're real good. I'm real good at that, too. I have no idea what you're dealing with. I have real good guesses. I have real good guesses. And they're probably, they're probably spot on. And you are really good at hiding it, and so am I. And people on the street, I mean, the people I was working with, like, they, you can't hide. You're smoking crack, you can't hide it. There's no way. There's no way to hide that lifestyle. But here, you guys have blended in, and it's real easy. It's real easy to hide. It's happening right here, right now in this room. 
You've been coming week after week. You came all year last year, and you've been hiding. You have been hiding. What are you doing? Stop hiding. You have taken part of the truth, and you have not submitted yourself to the whole truth. That is what's happening in here. You are taking grace and mercy and throwing everything else aside. Jesus said, where my servant is, or where I am, there my servant is. Imagine if Jesus, imagine if, if Jesus has got his cross, and he's carrying it on his back. And earlier, a few days ago, he said, where, my, where I am, there my servant is. And he's carrying it, and then you came up and just were like, hey, thanks, Jesus. And give him a thumbs up. Thanks, that's, a, that's really cool, thanks. And then walked away. And then did whatever you wanted. Didn't share the gospel with anybody. What would Jesus think? And Jesus would keep going, and then he would instantly know, that's not my servant. I don't know who you are. And that's what I did for the longest time. I loved grace and mercy. And it took a long time. In fact, it took a lot of pain, and it took me to be crushed. I hear, I hear a lot of guys talk about being like, wooed by the gospel and how, like, man, I just fell in love with that. And for me, it was the opposite. I, I heard it and rejected it. And I didn't, I believed in it. And that, that's part of the problem is believe is a different definition for you and I than here. I believe in something, but I put no trust in it. Believe in, I believe in math, and I hate math. It's, it's the same thing. Believe in Jesus, but you hate Jesus. You call him Lord, but he's not your Lord. Why do you call, he, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? You don't even do what I say. Now, how could you do that? How could you sing praise to Jesus and then do whatever you want? How could you do that? It doesn't work that way. And Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. You, and you can't serve God and yourself. You can't. It's got to be all God, all Jesus. If you want to be your own master, you can. And you will have no freedom in the next life. None. And that's something that caught me up for a long time, was I was very worried about this life. I'm very, very worried about the next 60 years and completely, completely just didn't care about the next life. And everybody, I, I would venture that every single person in this room believes that there's an afterlife, that there's a judgment, that there's heaven. And so why is your life focused so heavily on this life, what's happening right now, so worried about my degree, so worried about this, so worried about people liking me? But it doesn't matter. You're going to die in 60 years and then go to your reward. What is your reward? Well, there's Jesus. His servant's going to be with him also. Are you going to be there? Like what? Or have you been serving yourself? Who's your master? Who is your Lord? Who are you calling Lord? Are you actually obeying him? Are you actually obeying him? And so it's in the back row and didn't. It's in the back row and refused. Not that there's anything wrong with the back row. But just that I didn't want to. And so that is, that is part of what the two things I want to pull out of this passage. I wanted to explain some of the verses. And then one of them is how we take Scripture how we want and do with it what we want. And then I want to also imitate Jesus or challenge you. Or really, I don't want to challenge you. I want everything to change. 
It's what I want. I'd love for everything to change in your life. All of it. It's to submit your life to God. And we are, that is going to be happening here again and again. You're going to hear that again and again and again. And the reason nothing has changed in your life, the reason you believe in Jesus, the reason I believed in Jesus and nothing changed because, because I, I didn't submit a thing. You take grace and mercy and it's your own life. We have our own life that we're worried about, that I'm worried about, and then I try and stuff this atonement on the side and try and keep some of this and take some of this from me like that. Jesus, like dying and resurrecting and giving me grace and mercy sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. That's beautiful. And then I'm like, got my own life and I want to like fit this. How do I fit this in here? And it's never going to work. You're going to do it for the next 60 years and it's going to be miserable. It's going to be terrible. And you have got to let that go. It cannot be about you. It has to be about God's glory. This life is going to disappear really quick. So quick. And then in an instant, you're going to be before the Lord. And he, all I've got is Jesus. All I've got is Jesus. When I'm there, all I've got is Jesus. I can just... We're going to be in front of him. What will you have? Will you have chosen Jesus partly? Will you have liked grace and mercy and not submitted your life and tried to be real nice and try to avoid having sex with your boyfriend and girlfriend? Like that doesn't, that doesn't matter if you, if you aren't even in Jesus. You're trying, so some of you guys are trying so hard, but you're, you haven't even submitted your entire life. You haven't even done that. And for some of you, you don't even care at all. I, I didn't care. I didn't care at all. I didn't even try. I was having sex with my girlfriend, and I did not care. And then people would talk about conviction, and I was like, what? Y'all are crazy. Like, this is amazing. Like, what? Like, it, it did not even compute with me, but grace and mercy computed, and I took that all day long, and I just ate it, and it was like a buffet. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. And then nothing changed. Nothing. And it was because I did not submit my life like Jesus did right here. He's faced with death, a brutal death, a brutal torture, one I would not wish on anybody. And he takes it. He takes it. I'm nearly going as long as you, Terrell, and I'm sorry for that. I want to go back to Isaiah 52, and I want to read that. Can you guys go to Isaiah 52? I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to take a few liberties, and hopefully this doesn't bother you. I'm going uh, to change a few of the, I think the incorrect term would be pronouns, and turn them into nouns. And when I do that, know that it is biblical, that it is true. And so hopefully there will be only a few of you who will be like, oh, I don't know if I like that. But when I change, and I'm going to do that a, a few times, not the whole time. When I change it, know that it is true. It is the truth. I just want it to be a better visualization for you. This is a 700-year-old prophecy about Jesus we're going to read. Many of you guys have read this. Some of you maybe haven't. We're going to read through the whole thing. And really, it's like part of 52 goes into 53. They're really together. I don't know who separated the chapters. But we're going to start in 52, or the, the end of 52, starting in verse 13, the verses that I read earlier. And then we're going to go through the rest of the chapter. And I'm just going to read them and just, just follow along with me. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. Jesus shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. 
as many were astonished at you, Jesus' appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. Jesus was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Jesus was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus was oppressed, and Jesus was afflicted, yet Jesus opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears, that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made Jesus' grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of God to crush him, to crush Jesus, He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of Jesus' soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because Jesus poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet Jesus bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. You see what I did there? I changed Jesus, put Jesus in there a few times. And that's the truth. This is about Jesus. That whole passage is about him being killed for you, for me. It is the only way, it is the only way any of us can have life in his name. It's the only way. And I want to, I want to tell you, everything changed for me. I put my hands up, I surrendered, everything has changed. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to go to San Francisco. God has been incredibly merciful to me. So I want to deeply, strongly encourage you to submit yourself to God completely. Not just a few things, not just your grades, not just your sex life, everything. You as a person, as a being, that's what Jesus did. I'm his servant. I want to be there with him. I want to submit myself completely before him. 
everything. Everything. And so, this last verse here on, uh, on Isaiah 53, he makes intercession for the transgressors. Know that Jesus is on your side. Jesus is right now making intercession for you. He has been waiting for this for a long time. And some of you guys know that. And you have been waiting and waiting. And you cannot leave this room. You cannot leave this room until it's done. Until you hand it over to him. You can't do it. Don't wait. Don't, point it, don't put it off. You've been doing that for a long time. You've heard the truth about Jesus for a long time. And you have yet to let it change anything in your life. Except uh, attendance on Wednesdays and Sundays. And you try real hard not to have sex. Like that's, that's all it's changed for you. That's miserable. Jesus didn't die and resurrect so you could live in shame and misery the rest of your life. He died so you could have freedom. Ask him for it. Ask him for it tonight. Submit your life. And I, I know it's been a little heavy and a little forward. And uh, what's the phrase? Sorry, not sorry, something like that, that I hear. I'm a, I'm a little older than some of you, just a few years, and so I'm slightly, like there was a dance party last night. I didn't know any of the songs until they played Usher. That's weird. Uh, anyway, so I'm a, I'm a little out, but I, I, I know it's been, it's been a little heavy, but I want it to weigh on you. This is so serious. There's nothing else more important, your grades, your family, anything. There's nothing more important than being submitted to Jesus. There'd be nothing. There's nothing you could bring up and say, well, what about this? Like, nothing. Nothing. And if the question in your head is, well, I don't know if I actually, I don't know if I really have submitted my life to Jesus. I don't know why I haven't felt this change or why there hasn't been this healing. You need to take it before him. You need to do it now. You don't need to do it later. You don't need to put it off. You need to do it now. There's no other time. So I... I, I'm sorry I've fumbled around and I've been all over the place in the scriptures and hopefully some of this has made sense to a few of you guys uh, and I've gone longer than Terrell. I apologize. 